The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. This is our sixth week in the book of John. Uh, I get the privilege of preaching John 3.16 and preaching it in context, which is really exciting. Sometimes you just see John 3.16 thrown out there. And, and we're going to show you where it comes from in the scripture today. Um, it comes in the context of this big story called the gospel, which is the story of Jesus. And the way we explain that as we look at John is this. Each of us comes from very different places. Poor and rich families, safe neighborhoods and dangerous apartment complexes, busy inner cities and quiet country towns, some from Christian families. Some the name of Jesus maybe seems really familiar growing up hearing his name spoken when you were a child. Others uh, here aren't familiar with the name of Jesus at all from growing up. They don't come from any faith background or maybe a different faith background. Sometimes because... We all come from such unique places, it seems like Jesus or God is a distant concept or very far away or maybe unbelievable. If you've wrestled with these thoughts, John is for you. John is a story showing how Jesus is God for all people. And so we want to invite you into that story again today. Showing God who became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And in that, it says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. That's the story of John. Transitioning into this week, um, as I thought of, of this interaction in John 3 between a guy named Nicodemus and Jesus, I thought how cruel children are. See, there's no segue there. You guys don't know where I'm going. See, children are cruel sometimes because, maybe this is just a personal thing, but if you've ever seen them play hide-and-seek sometimes, but play-hide-and-seek does not always mean someone hides and everyone seeks them. Sometimes there's cruel groups of children that will send a child out to hide, and they will not seek them out. See, the way this works is that, that all the kids have talked about little Billy. <laughs> okay? And little Billy, everyone, it's easy to pick on little Billy. And they do. And so they've all talked. And so when Billy comes, they say, hey, Billy, we want to play hide-and-go-seek. And Billy, because he's being included, gets really excited. Billy's like, oh, just tell me what to do. They're like, well, Billy, you get the first hiding. You're the first one. Hide well. And so... So Billy knows that, that possibly the friendships for the rest of his life are built upon this moment. How well he hides. <laughs> and so little Billy goes out and Billy hides. And he hides. And he hides. And then Billy starts thinking, I haven't heard anyone. Well, it's because no one is looking for Billy, Okay. And that is a terrible place to be. I don't know if you guys relate with this at all. Okay, that is a terrible place to be. Because you are, you are hiding and no one is trying to find you. Some of us have been in that place in our lives where we literally are hiding and we don't feel like anyone's coming for us. Hiding for a variety of reasons. 
Today's story is about hiding. Um, Hiding from the people who maybe are your friends and hiding from God. And that's the interesting thing. I think for a young child, young woman or young man who, who has those experiences like little Billy does, literally they do go into hiding. You begin knowing that maybe you are just an outsider. No one really wants you. Have you ever hidden in your life? That's the story of Nicodemus, and that's the story we're going to see in John 3 as we pull it up here. John 3, we're going to be looking at 1 through 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one would perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again if if they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you. Jesus is just saying, I'm going to tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Going on. In verse 7, it says, You shall not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still... You people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if we speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. And then to the famous passage, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. If we can come back to the the very beginning of this, I don't know if you guys caught where Nicodemus is hiding. Nicodemus is hiding here, as we see from the very beginning. Nicodemus, this is very interesting. Nicodemus' name literally means conqueror of the people. Conqueror of the people. So he's a guy who has has a very confident name, at least, and and a position that should also make him very confident. He is, it says, a member of the Jewish ruling council. This would be the Sanhedrin. Um, And yet we find here Nicodemus literally stuck between two worlds, hiding between two worlds. The one he says, he came to Jesus at night and said. 
So he's coming in night, and, and light and night and light and darkness is very prominent in this. This is Jesus' theme at the very end, because he knows that Nicodemus is in hiding. And he says, Rabbi, we know, that means all his buddies, all his Sanhedrin Jewish ruling buddies, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. I want to compare with you really quick the two worlds that he is stuck between. These two worlds, and, and maybe sometimes we fall in this place of hiding also. The first is he has position. The first world he has position. He's known as a ruler of the people. That means wherever he goes, he has clout. They're going to give him the best table. They're going to serve him the best food. Everyone's going to know his name. That's Nicodemus, member of the Jewish ruling council. Right? That's the first world he's in. But he doesn't feel a part of that world anymore. I'll explain to you in a second why. The second world is this. The second world he's a novice in. He's a child. All he has is questions. Literally, all he has here is questions. Three times he is making an observation that's a question, and then the second two times he just asks questions. He doesn't have any answers in this second world that he doesn't even know how to be a part of yet. In the first world, this, this Jewish context that he's coming from, he's a leader. In the second, he is a follower. <laughs> he just knows that, that where Jesus is going, he wants to be, but he doesn't know how to be there. He's, he is not the leader there. First world, right? Member of the Jewish council. Second world, he is a follower. Maybe he hasn't even started following yet. That's where he is. At the first world, he has the answers. He is Israel's teacher in the second world, he has no answers at all. What has caused this incredible shift in Nicodemus from a person literally that everyone knows and everyone goes to for, quest- for their questions to be answered? What's changed in him is that he has seen Jesus. And that's what he says here. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher because no one can perform the signs that you've done unless they were with God. So, the last two weeks, we went over Jesus turning water into wine and Jesus flipping over tables at a temple. And so Nicodemus has seen both these things and they have so shattered his world that he no longer feels safe living just as a leader, just as the people who, who have the answers because he knows he doesn't have the answers anymore. This is incredible. Imagine this shift in his life that, that moves him from being the leader, the one who knows everything, to the person who only has questions. That's a scary place to be. That's a very scary place to be. And so as we see Nicodemus here, how unsettled he is, I, I, I wonder two things. Some of us maybe need to be unsettled again. And then maybe some of us need to be unsettled for the first time. I love, I love the interaction here because Nicodemus kind of strikes me as someone who's like met the person of their, their like, like, they're just a fan. And so Nicodemus doesn't really know what to say. And so Jesus helps him. Because Nicodemus stops without really saying anything. And Jesus picks up from here. So if you're following in your sermon notes, the first, first bullet is this, that that Jesus enters with a mind-blowing idea. 
Literally, a mind-blowing idea, so much so that Nicodemus doesn't know how to respond other than just asking a question that to us sounds really stupid. Right? Mind-blowing, mind-blowing idea number one is that Jesus simply says to him, you have to be born again. I'm going to tell you the truth, Nicodemus. This is literally what he says. Nicodemus, this is the truth. You won't see what God is doing unless you are born again. You won't see what God is doing unless you are born again. I imagine that this is terribly offensive. Did you see that? You, you won't understand or see unless you are born again. L- let me put this in context. There are things that you will not understand unless you have eyes of faith. Not just faith in anything, but faith in Jesus. There are things that you will not and will never understand unless you put your faith in Jesus. Okay, let me explain how revolutionary and absolutely countercultural this is. Okay, we like to think that we understand everything intellectually and that we can be on our own, perfect in knowledge. Yeah, Carrie gets this. (laughs) No, we like to imagine that on our own, we can be perfect in knowledge and then make these really rational decisions. Okay? And so what Jesus says is, Nicodemus, you're not going to get it. You just, you won't get it. And, And this is the same thing, this is how offensive Christians are too. We are offensive all the time because of this. Because there are some things you say that a person without seeing or without receiving with faith will never understand. Some things you say will insult people who are listening. Some things you say will not be recognized as true even when they are true. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus here. Mind-blowing thing number one, Nicodemus, is you're just not going to get this. I'm going to tell you the truth, Nicodemus. You're not ready for this. But Nicodemus has found that he is in a place of of lacking and wanting, that he is so desperate that he's just going to receive the insult. He's just going to go, okay, I'm I'm not even born yet. Let's go there. And And so he asked Jesus, well, what do you mean? Okay, I'm, I'm like, he's like, I'm six foot. Going back in the womb doesn't seem like logical or like I don't think that could work. So what do you mean? Do you guys see the humor in this? Okay. Yeah, Mother's Day, you guys are like, please no. Okay, so, so this is just, this is hard. And Nicodemus is trying to process this. Okay? And so Jesus takes him a step further to the second mind-blowing thing. And the second mind-blowing thing is this, if you're following along. The second mind-blowing idea is that the birth is spiritual, not natural. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Like, it is, it is spiritual, not natural. And, and this is why. So, so while Nicodemus is, is trying to wrap his mind around this, 
It's so hard for him because Nicodemus, being a leader of the Jewish council, would have imagined that he from his birth was an insider. That from, from the beginning, he was a part of the kingdom of God. That's, that's the, the assumption he has made here. And what this is telling us is that if someone says to you, well, I've kind of always believed you know, if someone's like, tell me your testimony, they're like, well, I've kind of always believed in Jesus. You can say, no, you have not. Lies, right? You have not always believed. The name of Jesus has not always been something you've understood. No one. Not Nicodemus. Not you. Like, if Jesus was tattooed on your arm as a child, like, like it doesn't count. Right? If you listen to Jesus, let me on repeat so you can go to sleep. That does not count. You did not know Jesus from when you were born. It's like saying, I've always existed. (laughs) And equally you can say, no, you have not always existed. And yet sometimes we we think that those those people that just get it. They were just born into it. And that's not true. What Jesus is saying is that you are not naturally born into the kingdom of God. This is really important. You are not naturally born into the kingdom of God. You are natu- not naturally born holy. Okay, you are, you are born outside, and you must enter in through the Spirit giving birth. And this is, this is what Jesus says here. In verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. He says, you should not be surprised at what I am saying. And yet, why are we so surprised? And the reason why we're so surprised is this, because we just think that we get it. Thankfully, Nicodemus is the place of humility, the place of receiving, where he is not saying, I get it. He sees his lack, he sees his need, and he's willing to let Jesus just speak into his life. Listen to Romans 8. It says this, Romans 8, um, 5 through 8. It says Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh and what it desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the Spirit and what He desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the Spirit is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Nor can it do so. If you live according to the flesh, you cannot submit to the law of God. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. We are born in such a way that we cannot just please God. That's a hard truth. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. You aren't aren't just born into the kingdom of God. You can't just say, hey, it's mine. It's my birthright. It's a lot harder than that. It's a lot more challenging than that. You aren't perfect, and you never will be on your own. That's what's being said here. In Romans eight fourteen through 17, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit, they are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you a slave to fear again, but the Spirit who's brought you into adoption as sons, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Right? That, that is this movement, that is the birth of the Spirit into the family of God. How does this happen? According to John 3, verse uh, 15, it says that everyone who believes 
may have eternal life in his name. So, so that is how we enter, that's how we were spiritually born, that the spirit prompts us and we believe. Okay, there's a truth that happens before this, though, before we understand, before this even makes sense to us, and that is, if you're following line three, <laughs> the, the truth is this, that God is, God has been actively searching for you, because when you were born naturally, you did not actively seek out God. You see, you were lost, but God has been actively searching you out. And, and this is John 3.16. This is the context within which we receive John 3.16. Is we now see Jesus tell Nicodemus God's strategic plan. And that's exactly what John 3.16 is. For God so loved the world, Nicodemus. All of it. Not just Jews. God so loved the whole world. You weren't just born into it. Just, just like the pagans weren't just born outside of it. Boom, that's a big idea. God so loved the world, Nicodemus. Not just Jews, even those outside of, of Israel. God so loved the whole world, the entire globe. Even those undiscovered by Europeans yet. Right? This, isn't, this isn't like an ethnocentric gospel. This is saying God so loved the entire world that he gave his only son. This is just a welcome, this is a welcome in. That whoever, whosoever, anybody, whoever believes will not perish because, because we are perishing outside the kingdom. They will not perish, but they will have eternal life. And the, the incredible thing is this, is that when God sent his son, it was not to condemn the world. It was not to condemn the world, but it was that through the son they might be saved. We all might be saved. Guys, this is incredible. And, and the fact is, it's not, Jesus didn't come, I think we, we think of it like this, that God is like this heat-seeking missile of, like for sin. He just senses it, and he's like, boom! Like, that's not the example we're getting here. We have a God who is seeking out those who are lost and desiring that they would be saved. And he's not to condemn, not to come and remind, remind people of their condemnation because we were born into condemnation. We were born into it, and so he doesn't come to remind you that you're condemned. He comes to save you. And the best example for it is this. Imagine a child who, who goes camping with their, their family, and the father says, don't, don't go play by the river. You can't swim yet. Don't go play by the river. The child, you know, exhausts all their options. They're, they're done lighting things on fire, and so they go... They go down by the river, and, and it looks so good. So they just put their toe in. And they're standing on the edge. It's a hot day. That water looks real good. And that child trips <laughs> and falls in the river. So what do you do? The child cries for help, right? 
And the father doesn't come. The father doesn't rush down the river and go, Hey, you are condemned. No, he jumps in the water to rescue, to rescue the child. But the incredible story is this. It's more complicated than this because we hide. We fall in the river and we think, I don't want to be known. I don't, I don't want it to be known that I have, I have lied. I have, I have not obeyed. I haven't, I haven't lived according to what the Father has, has invited me to do. And so I'm just going to go down fighting. And, and that, is, that is our next point here. We hide because we are afraid. Like a child who is desperately drowning but does not cry out for fear that the Father will actually know. This is the verdict, verse 19. If we can get to verse 19, please. Uh, Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. This is the verdict, is that we have remained hidden, afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid that we'll be found out, afraid that all along we'll be wrong. Sometimes I don't think we even know what we are afraid of anymore. Just afraid. But in the context of the Christian story, the Christian worldview, we know why we're afraid. In Genesis 3, the first hiding ever happens. God creates Adam and Eve. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. They're very good. Made for relationship with one another and made for relationship with God. God puts them in a garden and he gives them a context for within which to live and flourish and enjoy one another, to have a family and to grow in peace, harmony. It sounds real good. It sounds real good. And yet what happens is they don't trust the Father. So when the Father comes, they go into hiding. And the father cries out, where are you? Adam says, we heard you coming and we were afraid. And from that point on, we have been in hiding from God. Afraid of what? Well, sometimes we don't even know. Afraid of holiness. Sometimes we know, we know I did that wrong. And still we hide, not willing to cry out. But the last point is this. And this is beautiful and it is hopeful. Not just that you have been sought out. God has been searching for you. But the last verse, verse 21. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. The truth of what? The truth that God has sought you out. That God so loved the world that he gave his only child. That is the truth. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Guys, this is almost like painful to talk about, right? Comes in steps into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Everything I have done has been done in the sight of God. Both the things I am ashamed of and the things that I'm happy about. All those things have been done in the sight of God knowing that, that he has not con- come to condemn but he has come to save and he has sent his one and only son with that message to give his own life for the life of the entire world. 
And, and because of that, we are, we are emboldened, we are empowered to step into the light, to be known for all my grossness, all my wickedness, all those thoughts that you would not let me be your pastor if you've known that I've had. I'm, willing, I'm able to step into the light and just be known by God because he has not come to condemn Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the good news, that we can live in the light together, not ashamed anymore. So the last point is this, you were made to be fully known and unafraid. You were created to be fully known and unafraid. You were made to be fully known and unafraid. Because in Christ, there is no condemnation. If you found yourself in him. And so I want to just invite you back into the light, to step into the light, to be fully known, to say the things that make you look horrible. If those things are in your heart, just to be known. And that we as a Christian community can stand with one another and say, Jesus didn't come to condemn you, but to save you. So live in the light. Let's live in the light together. What does it look like for you to live your entire life in the sight of God? What will that look like? It will look like freedom. There's a couple of questions and they are on your, your, your notes. Um, I just want to leave you with these though. Do you ever hide from God? Do you feel like you're caught between those two worlds? The world of, that you have been familiar with and maybe you look to this world of freedom from condemnation and you're stuck still. I want to invite you into the place where there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. What does it mean for you to hear that God has actively sought you out? What does it mean for you when you hear that, that even while you've been in hiding, God so loved the world. God so loved you that he sought you out. And how do we respond to the love of God that finds us and does not let us remain hidden and alone? How do we respond to that? Guys, let's be a church that lives free together. Pray with me. God, it's by your, your, the wounds of Jesus, we are healed over and over and over and over again. Maybe even today, healed again. Make us unashamed and unafraid to approach you because you don't look at us with eyes of condemnation, with love. If we stay outside of you, we are condemned already and we know that. You invite us to come. Give us the courage to come, we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen.